Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to another reading of our favorite securely contained and protected entities from So You Think You Can Find Him. Who have we got here today, boys? I almost just choked to death on a chicken strip. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> hey guys, it's me, it's Jake, at Greg Chudley, hey. LLC. Stop trying to deep throat that cock. (laughs) (laughs) That's my job. Starting off strong. I'm the gay one. There can only be one. Okay. Who's uh, who's that other person at the top of our Discord call? Apricus? I have never seen that. Who the fuck are you? Well, it's Latin for... Full of sunshine, because I'm definitely a ray of sunshine at all times. I thought you were going to say it was Latin for an apricot, and I was going to shit, because where did the O and T become a U and an S? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not actually sure where apricot comes from. Like, the word, it may come from apricus, I'm not sure. Hmm. So, Interesting. we've got a selection of fan fictions for you. Uh, I think we should let Jake go, because he didn't get to go last time. I also don't see a link to Jake's fanfiction in the thing. We, so we, should SCP. we should also finish the introduction. <laughs> yeah, That's who's true. that guy at the bottom here? Who's at the bottom of our long train? Oh, me? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm your neighborhood girl, Roxanne the Huntress. Oh, at Rox is the hunter. We have, sure we have a conflicting... Girl. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, had something to <laughs> Oh my Sergio, god, Jacob. Uh, on my, on my, top, my top three of women, Sergio is probably number two. Who's number one? Your mom? The queen. Oh, the queen of England. Oh. A man of culture. Yeah. She's, my, or, she's my favorite. Um, who's your third <gasps> favorite yeah. woman? Yeah, who's the I third favorite? I'm le- legally allowed to answer that anymore. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, Jacob, would you like to tell us or read us the page for SCP three nine seven three? God damn it! Yeah, that picture—the picture we're all seeing—we all immediately know which one this is. I hate you. I hate it's you. Good one. It's on, not that good. You fuck. I love this one so much. Hey. I'm going to choke slam you. You got something to say about my Lord Primark? Yeah. Read. I'm fucking swallowing my chicken, okay? He's swallowing that. I have brought SCP-3973. Its object class is safe. And uh, this is crossed out, but special containment procedures, SCP-3973. I'm ADHD. 3973 is to be kept in a locked box and placed inside of a standard anomalous item locker in the Site 16 storage room. Testing is approved for and staff level 2. That doesn't make sense. Or higher. Staff who wish to test SCP 3973 must make an entry in the logbook located in the Site 16 storage room. Following interview 39731 and Dr. Harpy's request. SCP-3973's containment procedures are to be changed. SCP-3973 is to be kept in a locked 30 by 30 by 30 centimeter acrylic glass box in Site-16's Anomalous Item Research Lab 104. 
The scenery inside of the glass box should be changed once a month as an incentive for SCP-3973 to continue to comply with the interviews. The scenery may be changed by adding more miniatures, plastic foliage, sand, or plastic rocks. They're really just putting him in a, uh, in a, in a what is it called? A fucking a display container. A diorama. Yeah, yeah, they're putting him in a diorama of space marines fighting. These have been provided by Dr. Harpy and can be found in a labeled box in the Site-16 break room. You think they had to hire, like, a, like an SCP, like, employee who just goes into one of their, like, spare rooms and just speed paints Ultramarines for this guy to be with? Probably. That's what the council does. That's what the, the council's meeting was last <laughs> month. They went in yeah, and they just painted whenever they, a whole Whenever army. the council meets up. They're like, okay, Jeremy, what did you bring? And he goes, oh, I brought my Necrons. I need to finish the paint. I just got a uh, new uh, part of Rune Lord Brass. Uh, I, I would like to imagine that they keep they keep this uh, like this diorama next to like some actual like chaos artifacts, and they accidentally summon like a demon when 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 a guy grabs the wrong box. <laughs> <laughs> Staff who wish to test your interview, SCP-3973 must have a security clearance of two or higher to receive permission from Dr. Harpy first. Can Description. <laughs> Can I touch the magic what? little model? Can I touch the little, the little firstborn? Mm. No. You can, t you can tell that's a pre-8th edition miniature. <laughs> you know why? Why? Hold on. Yeah, I'll show you. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I'm getting yeah. a picture. I don't even. I look at that and be like, "Yeah, dude, that's a that's a war ham." I guess. I guess if you check general. This is, this is how this is how you can tell. The one on the right is from seventh edition, and the one on the eighth, the left is from eighth edition. He had a growth spurt. For, yeah, dude. Uh, for it, those of you who Sergio, can't see, Sergio, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's me and the <laughs> For those who can't tell uh, how to tell visual stimuli from an audio recording, <laughs> the 7th edition Space Marine models are fucking squats. They have tiny legs and they have tiny <laughs> torsos. They are hilariously cute and adorable. When they, they prefer the word vertically challenged. Started, <laughs> they, they started using uh, plastic instead of metal or resin or anything, so they're cheaper. And so they could make them actually better to mold, <laughs> yeah. and so they started making them true scale, which just means they look like normal sized people now. Good, but I do, I do kind of miss the uh, little stumpy boys sometimes. Does this mean that short people are better made? I think so. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I think short people are great. They're the greatest. They're full I, of wisdom and experience. I'm, I'm, I'm well crafted. Sergio, you're <laughs> yes. taller, idiot. I like shorter people because they make me feel better about my height, but they also make me wish that I was like them, short. I wish I, I could have somebody help get the stuff off the top shelf for me, too. Anyways, SCP-3973 is a standard miniature from the tabletop wargame Warhammer 40,000. The object is physically unremarkable, being composed of plastic and reaching a height of about 3.3 centimeters. SCP-3973 is covered in layers of redacted brand model paint. It's it's Citadel. <laughs> Citadel. It's you can count the letters. <laughs> you can count the letters. It's Citadel. The object's only apparent anomalous property is an influence over the outcome of dice rolls within a fifty centimeter radius caused by unknown means. 
And it originally contained all dice rolled within a 50-centimeter radius of SCP-3973, always landed with the lowest side facing up. Due to this, SCP-3973 was originally classified as an anomalous item and denied full SCP classification for a total of blank months. SCP-3973 is kept in storage in one of Site-16's anomalous item lockers. During one of the Site-16's routine anomalous item checks, Incident 3973-FC occurred. See below for details. And here is below for details. The following is an excerpt from the log of Dr. Harpy. At the time, Dr. Harpy was performing routine anomaly checks on multiple items from Site-16's anomalous items department. Item description, a tabletop wargame miniature that influenced dice rolls within a 50 centimeter radius to land with the lowest side facing up. Date of recovery, 2-9. Redacted. Location of recovery, redacted. Current status, a standard anomalous item locker in 16. Site 16. Testing materials, one US quarter, one four-sided die, one six-sided die, one eight-sided die, one ten-sided die, one twelve-sided die, and one twenty-sided die. Test one. Procedure. One U.S. quarter is flipped within the item's area of effect. Results. The quarter lands vertically on its side. Test is repeated five times with the same result. For brevity, tests two through six have been excluded. Procedure included rolling each die multiple times. Each test resulted in the die landing with a one with the one side facing up. Test seven. An impromptu test after accidentally knocking multiple dice into the object's area of effect. A total of six dice were rolled within the 50 centimeter area. Dice landed in a pattern that resembled a smiley face with the six and four sided dice making two eyes and the rest forming a mouth. Test is repeated for a total of seven times with the dice landing in the exact same formation each time. Requesting further research into the anomalous properties of this object. Experiment log 39731. For brevity, the following ep excerpts are some of the more important findings from experiments with SCP 3973. Test 1 Procedure Ask for a die to be landed on 2. Results Die landed on 2. Who the fuck is pinging me? I don't care. After several tests to confirm that the results were an anomalous effect, not merely a coincidence, Dr. Harvey suggests asking. 3973 if it was listening or could understand them as if it was able as it was able to give them the numbers they asked for test 14 asked if scp 3973 could understand what the doctors were saying with the two side for yes and the three side for no results the die landed with the two side facing up analysis the possibility of sapience in 3973 is considered test 15 Procedure. Asked if 3973 was aware of what was going on around it. Results. The die landed with the two side facing up. 16. Asked if 3973 had thoughts. Results. The die landed with the two side facing up. Note. In the blank months that SCP-3973 had been in Foundation custody, it had been kept in a box in a locked anomalous containment container. Now we are faced with the possibility of sapience. Dr. Harpy. So what are you guys' thoughts so far? I think it is absolutely hilarious that somebody came up with this idea. It's Wasn't one it of my, Max Landis? Was it? Sergio? Hmm? Was this Max no. Landis? That Which was Tupac. Mm, okay. I think you mean yeah. shit-ass. Yeah, I mean shit-ass Landis. Dad <laughs> hey. killed Vietnamese children Landis. 
Hey, shit-ass, wanna see me confirm the deaths of many people? Hey, nope. shit-ass, wanna see me crash a helicopter into two children and kill them? Oh. Through testing, like? it was revealed that SCP-3973 <laughs> exhibits signs of sapiens. A communication system has been established with 3973. The object must be placed on a surface that has a radius of less than 50 centimeters. The interview can then roll a 20-sided dice and 6-sided dice. SCP-3973 will make the dice show a number that lines up with the letter of, an, of the alphabet. If the letter is on a spot in the alphabet lower than 20, SCP-3973 will make the 6-sided die fall off the table. All dice falling off the table indicates a period that is a very elaborate system man just literally get, i don't know alphabet dice yeah i want to be the space it's, marine i want to be the space marine no i want you i want you to be dr harpy fuck okay <clears throat> i will i will i will i will be the scp interviewed scp 3973 interviewer dr harpy forward Dr. Harpy performed the interview with the aforementioned dice-based communication system. Motherfucker, did you say forward? Yeah. Fuck you. Start with <clears throat> What is the first thing you can remember, SCP-3973? Where is Commander? <laughs> Commander? Can you elaborate? Commander took me and squad in, put us together, made us the men we are today. Others? There are more like you. Others, but not like me. Look the same, but no brain. Still nice to be around. What's the last thing you can remember before being put into our custody? Commander was upset. Not sure why. Was helping Commander win big battle. Giving highest roles. People seemed mad at Commander. Called them cheater. I thought I did something wrong. Decided to give lowest instead of highest from then on. Too late. Commander left us in drop pod. I think I see. You've done well, SCP-3973. Any closing remarks? Thank you for listening, Sergeant. End log. <clears throat> Following interview... 3973-1, I am formally requesting a change in the containment procedures for SCP-3973. I suggest moving the object to a glass box in an anomalous item research lab so it can pe see people more often as a reward for being compliant during interviews. Dr. Harpy. Addendum. SCP-3973 was discovered at... Redacted. A war game tournament in the city of Redacted. Redacted. A Foundation agent, Agent <laughs> who was attending that tournament on their personal time, had heard rumors of a competitor. Marnius Calgar? Marnius Calgar. <laughs> oh my god. Mike Cock? Doesn't the, the, the word No, it doesn't work. fit. Mike Creamy? Mike Cock? <laughs> Who had been accused of cheating at multiple tournaments. <clears throat> Left all his figures behind in a box after getting banned for cheating at the tournament. Agent took the box <laughs> home to try to find out how the cheating had occurred. Shortly after, the anomalous property was discovered. 
Several items were discovered in the box that SCP-3973 was found in, including several more Space Marine miniatures, several, several different types of dye, and photographs of miniatures posed together. 3973 is possibly in one of them. Model, or footnotes, model, paint scheme, and paint type all indicate that it comes from the Space Marine plus paint set. The paint scheme and characteristics, such as the inverted Omega symbol, identify it as part of the Ultramarines chapter. What a nice SCP. Wow. He just wanted to do good. I don't want to think about what would happen if this thing interacted with the ghost of Tupac. <laughs> hey, yo, Commander, I want to get out of this place. He just rolls the <laughs> dice, and it just says, okay. I think you would think that the Tupac ghost was like a, a chaos demon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it would, and it would try to that, kill that's him. That's a good point. Oh, Jesus. Could you imagine a, a variation of this SCP where one, you win or lose a battle, you actually like get taken in by chaos from the tabletop? <laughs> <laughs> that would be cursed. Help me. My miniatures are holding every me hostage. You, yeah. Every time you, <laughs> so, every time uh, you win... You get a chaos mutation. Who sh who shall go next? Uh, I don't know. I'm up for well, going. I, well, we could go from will, top to bottom. That is true. I will shall, say, uh, shall the, we? The, if you, for the people who don't play Warhammer, the joke of this SCP is that each ch like main chapter of Space Marines have slightly different rules, and the Ultramarines rule is that they get the re-roll ones, and so. There's a big joke that that ultramarine players have loaded dice because they always get good rolls because yeah. they get to re-roll the bad ones. They also thank uh, you. In canon, are just unbelievably lucky, but that's it's just part of a larger meme. Anyhow, uh, Kai is next. R two seven two. All right. So SCP two seven two. Object class, safe. Special containment procedures. SCP-272 is to be contained in a small wooden box in a vault at Sector 25. Apart from this, no further containment is necessary, as the object is completely inert when not in use. Care is to be taken not to drop the item during transit. <clears throat> Description. SCP-272 is an iron nail approximately 11.5 centimeters long, resembling ancient designs covering every flat surface are engravings of unknown cultural origin. The engravings have been described as captivating but scary in a majority of staff interviewed. The same has been said about me as well. The nature of the object becomes apparent when it is dropped onto the shadow of an individual. The nail will bury itself exactly two-thirds of its length into the material the shadow is cast on. Following this, two effects should be noted. The person whom the shadow belongs to will not be able to remove the nail by any means, and they are limited to movements that keep their shadow cast on the nail. The nail, however, may be removed by conventional means by anyone else, although those are requested to do so reported a mild aversion citing claims that it feels fair. The object was discovered during a routine sweep embedded into an exposed rock face near an abandoned Air Force in 
redacted Afghanistan, with a human skeleton scattered around it. It was thought to be mundane until a researcher dropped it at their feet and was subsequently pinned to the spot for 20 minutes before being assisted. I'm going to skip the formatting of the experiment log. 272-A, test subject, one D-class personnel. Surface, rock face at discovery site. Lighting, midday sun directly overhead. Purpose, established nature of SCP. Procedure. Subject was handed the nail and told to hammer it into the shadow at his feet. Result. Subject complies. Once the nail has reached the two-third mark, subject could not continue. Subject attempts to move away, but is unable to. Subject soon becomes fatigued and succumbs to heat stroke. Object removed. Subject given medical treatment. Conclusions. Nature of the object established. What do you think so far? It's neat. I like it. It's building up. It's building up. Yes. Yeah, it's building up. All right. Well, I will continue the build up. 272-B. Test subject, another D-class personnel. Surface, as above. Lighting, night. Minimal. Purpose, establish effects at night. Procedure, nail was dropped at the subject's feet and embedded itself exactly two-thirds of the way in. Subject was then asked to move 10 meters away from the nail. Results? Object embeds. Subject complies, showing no adverse effects. Subject then attempts to escape and is terminated. Object recovered. Conclusions? Subject is free to move when no shadow is cast. 272-C. Test subject, another D-class personnel. Surface, as above. Lighting, as above, two hours before sunrise. Purpose, establish effects of lighting changes. Procedure, nail dropped as above. Subject told to walk in a straight line away from the nail. Results, object embeds. Subject so shows no adverse effects. Sunrise occurs at 6.06 local time. Subject is data expunged. Three cleanup teams dispatched. Subject's torso recovered 106 meters from object, showing signs of road rash and severe blunt trauma. Object recovered. Testing moved to sector 25. Conclusions, data expunged. 272-D. Test subject, another D-class personnel. Surface, concrete floor of test facility 25H. Lighting, one standard 60-watt light bulb directly overhead. Purpose, establish lighting requirements. Sorry if you Procedure, the dogs. nail fine. drop. Procedure. You can keep going. Nail dropped on the shadow of the test subject. Subject told to walk in a straight line away from the object. Results, object embeds. Subject is free to move. Object recovered. Conclusions, insufficient lighting will cause no effect. 272E. Test subject, another D-class personnel. Surface, as above. Lighting, one standard 1,500 watt stadium light directly overhead. Purpose as above. Procedure as above. Results, object embeds, subject trapped, object recovered. Conclusions, lighting requirements established. 272-F, test subject, 2D class. Surface as above. Lighting, two stadium lights positioned 90 degrees apart. 
Purpose, determine if multiple subjects can be held. Procedure, subjects positioned so their shadows overlap. Object dropped onto both shadows. Subject told to advance away from the nail. Results, object embeds. Subject D27204 continues unhindered, but reports feeling a chill. D27205 is held by the object. Object recovered. Conclusions, object cannot hold more than one subject. Potential secondary effect observed. 272-G. Test subject 8 D-class. See addendum for details. Surface as above. Lighting, four stadium lights positioned in a ring around the subject. Purpose, determine the selection mechanism for which object is held, for which subject is held. Procedure, subjects positioned so their shadows overlap. Nail dropped onto all eight shadows. Results, object embeds. Subject D27209 is held. 18 years old, Caucasian, 1.8 meters, 88 kilograms. All others free to move. Reports of a scream from all subject except 09. All subjects except 09 seem to shiver. Object recovered. 09 was removed from the study. Experiment repeated. Subject 06 held, 24 years old, Hispanic, 1.6 meters, 102 kilograms. All others appear to shiver and report a scream but remain free. Experiment repeated four additional times as per above method. Discontinued after 07 fell unconscious. Subject given treatment for severe hypothermia. Conclusions, emerging patterns suggest that the youngest possible subject to be held will be. Additionally, a secondary effect on larger groups observed. Further research pending acquisition of a larger sample group. Addendum. Subjects of equal gender distribution, ages ranging from 18 to 59, numerous physical traits represented. Very good diversity. Like it. Uh, I, I'm glad mm -hmm. that it doesn't discriminate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very I'm good. not sure how much of the next three you want to just summarize because they're kind of similar to each other. It's up to you, though. Since your uh, your entry, um, I will just summarize them. So in the next one, they are in an outdoor grassy field in the early morning to see if that if the subject can escape by digging. Suddenly, I can't speak when I'm not reading. So the subject digs for ninety seconds and falls over, and died before there could be medical intervention. They died of a cerebral he hemorrhage, and their cause was indeterminate. And then they recovered it. Then for I, they determine they tried to determine the object's destructibility. And so they were given a selection of tools and told to go to town in an attempt to destroy the object. So they selected an angle grinder and put it in a vise. And then they were writhing on the ground in pain, speaking in redacted. And then they died. Another cerebral hemorrhage and minor damage on the object from the grinder. Hmm. So then there is a concrete floor in the test facility, and they've got a stadium light. They're trying to determine the effects of rapid lighting shifts and to see if the subject can be withheld from the object with restraints, barriers, etc. So um, I'll actually go into detail for the ones of this. So, test one, lighting position to catch a long shadow. Nail dropped onto the head of this shadow. 
uh, light slowly raised. Subject dragged at a proportional rate towards the object. Subject has difficulty standing. Uh, same as above, light raised very rapidly, as above, but at a more rapid rate. Noted that subject was unable to remove uh, 272-J of mine. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, I know. I, I meant which, like, letter. Run, J. Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, so... The light was raised rapidly, and the subject was unable to remain standing and accelerated upon following, attributed to a decrease in shadow size relative to standing. Subject acquired minor road rash, and then they restrained the subject with chains, chicken wire placed between the subject and the object. Data expunged, the subject dies. So we can see the subjects being dragged by their shadow at the rate that it it will be needed to keep a cast upon the object. And obstacles do not impede this function. And then uh, 272H, would someone like to play the doctor and then the D-class? I can play the D-class. Uh, well, I'll be the doctor. All right. So I'll um, read the actual description of this one as well. Mm -hmm. So a stadium light in a fixed position, roughly 45 degrees horizontal. And then they wanted to establish the effects of long-term containment. The D-class 04 positioned uh -huh. central to the room and the object is dropped onto their shadow. Subject is held. After the third day, subject becomes unresponsive to attempts to provide nourishment. After the first week, subject heard to only speak redacted. See transcript below. By the 11th day, the subject, not having eaten or drank in eight days, seemed to become agitated, rapidly shifting between mania and a comatose state. At the 14-day mark, the test is terminated. Object recovered. Subject noted to be severely malnourished, but resumed speaking English once the object is removed. He proceeded to recover rapidly before monthly termination. Extended containment has yielded that the subject will survive for prolonged periods without nourishment, but will enter a degraded mental state. Addendum. Partial transcript of subject D, class 04. Speaking from day 14, translated sections in bracket. And begin transcript. <clears throat> For the record, state your name. Ashes burn in my tongue. I cannot taste the water boils at my side. Can you repeat that? I cannot sleep. The screams are heard. I am not warm. The shadow steals. Right. Feel. Chains they bind. I cannot move the people. Data expunged. Is what is he saying? What is he speaking? Somebody give me a translator. Cut my flesh to ribbons that I might be free. Subject begins clawing at his skin. Data expunged. I am the prisoner of my own foolishness. Let the crowns come and data expunged. Let my flesh crumble like the apple whose ashes burn at my tongue. End transcript. Well, that's terrifying. <laughs> this so is a good example. I, I'm of assuming. A, go ahead. I my theory is that this like nail was used as like a like a an execution device 
for like the like the ancient tribes of Afghanistan who would mm-hmm. execute people by nailing them down with a knife and letting them die of exposure. Not the knife, but the nail. Yeah, that that was definitely my hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I I chose this because it kind of reminded me of Jojo Part Three. Not gonna lie, but <laughs> <laughs> my stando iron nail. <laughs> my stand nine inch nail oh very good nice but so, i also thought it was interesting i uh i'm continuing the trend of picking either really bad ones or really funny sounding ones so my scp is SCP what the fuck is that picture, Michael? Thirty ninety two, also known as Guerrilla Warfare. <laughs> Item number SCP thirty ninety two. Uh, what is pictured there is what I can only be described as like if you go to like a, a midway fair, and it's those like it's those stuffed animals, but it's a gorilla. All right, so just keep that in mind. Object class Euclid. Special containment procedures. SCP-3092 is to be contained in an empty room equipped with a single compatible power outlet. It is not to be plugged in or stocked with toys unless actively being tested. Hold on, Testing... um, keep going, but I have to get something done for just a bit, but keep it going. Okay, It'll be recording. Te- testing with SCP-3092 must be pre-approved by at least one level 3 staff member and at least one Foundation agent armed with a crossed-out net launcher Mock tranquilizer rifle. See addendum 3092-01 and 02. Must be present in order to subdue and contain resultant SCP-3092-A instances. SCP-3092-A instances are to be contained individually in a standard containment kennels modified with two additional locks, at least one of which should be biometrically operated in order to prevent further containment breaches. There are to be provided amenities in exchange for compliant behavior, but none that could serve as tools or aids in an escape attempt. Should one or more SCP-3092-A instances successfully escape containment, a team of agents armed with crossed-out net launchers, mock tranquilizer rifles, see addendum 3092-1 and 2, should sweep the site until they are recontained. And all personnel should be notified of the situation, be aware of their surroundings, and report any suspicious activity or SCP-3092-A attacks immediately. No plush toys are permitted within 200 meters of any SCP-3092-A instances outside of testing purposes. Description. SCP-3092 is a Black Tie Toys brand arcade claw machine measuring 1.8 meters tall, point eight meters wide and 0.9 meters deep the weighing approximate and weighing approximately 144 kilograms whilst unstocked the machine's body and mechanical parts are all non-anomalous in nature primarily composed of steel plastic and various electronics all possessing wear and tear consistent with multiple years of regular usage When provided power and coins of valid United States currency, SCP-3092 may be operated as is standard for commercially available claw machines. Its anomalous properties only activate whenever the operator successfully picks up one or more plush toys with the claw and deposits them into SCP-3092's prize chute. At this point, 
the respective plush toys will immediately transform into instances of SCP-3092-A. SCP-3092-A instances are cotton-stuffed felt plush gorillas possessing no identifying tags or logos, sitting at roughly 0.3 meters tall and weighing 0.4 kilograms. They are sapient, communicative, and capable of sight, hearing, touch, and, and ambulation of all four limbs. Additionally, they possess notable manual dexterity despite seeming to lack distinct uh, digits and re relevant muscular structures. Outside of this, all instances are conventional plush toys lacking any biological components. SCP-3092-A instances are remarkably proficient in various activities related to warfare, such as stealth, weapon improvisation, trap setting, and the maintenance and usage of a variety of small arms. <laughs> they also appear to possess ideologies crudely resembling various real and fictitious guerrilla re uh, rebel groups. They are capable of developing and staging complex plans individually or as a group, and regularly attempt to breach containment with limited success. However, thus far, all SCP-3092-A activity appears to have been intended to annoy or inconvenience rather than cause legitimate damage to its targets. All weapons employed by SCP-3092-A instances have been non-lethal in nature, causing only minor injuries. Opportunities to cause severe damage to Foundation assets, such as through arson or the containment breach of other SCP objects, have been ignored in favor of more superficial attacks. Attempts to question SCP-3092-A instances on the subject have failed, and with all instances insisting that their attacks are massively damaging with many casualties. Implements and tactics frequently used include slingshots, small catapults, crossed out trip hazards, see addendum 3092-3, graffiti, glitter bombs, in air quotes, and buckets or canisters of various liquids placed atop partially open doors. All SCP-3092-A instances created by SCP-3092 have thus far possessed distinct personalities, beliefs, objectives, and identities. However, when an instance of SCP-3092 comes into physical contact with a non-anomalous plush toy, that plush toy will immediately be transformed into an identical instance of SCP-3092-A with similar baseline personality, ideology, and behavioral patterns to the SCP-3092-A instance which created it. SCP-3092-A instances appear to be aware of this property and will attempt to make use of it in order to bolster numbers. Many instances will, after being created, attempt to re-enter SCP-3092 in order to convert any applicable toys remaining inside. SCP-3092-A instances can be ripped, torn, or otherwise damaged with no greater difficulty than any conventional plush toy. Reactions to damage have been universally and melodramatically negative, with instances typically expressing hyperbolic pain over even superficial damage. Severe injuries such as deep punctures or tears of the torso, detachment of limbs, or decapitation will result in, air quotes, death for instances falling to the ground and ceasing to move. Typically, after a long period of exaggerated expressions of pain, however, in case less severe than complete incineration, instances appear to only be playing dead as repeated disturbance of these corpses will result in them briefly returning to activity and requesting that these disturbances stop, as they are out of the game. Due to this information, as well as SCP-3092-A's lack of a nerve, nervous system, 
It is not currently believed that they actually feel pain. Repair or damage SCP-3092-A instances the, through conventional stitching, patching, and restuffing is typically sufficient to alleviate instances express pain and death states and is interpreted by them as medical attention. Currently, 23 instances of SCP-3092-A are in containment by the Foundation. Recovery. SCP-3092 was retrieved on uh, May 3rd, 20... from Family Restaurant and Arcade in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I'm trying to count here. Damn, it can't be Freddy Fazbear's. After animal control officers responding to a call, there noted anomalous activity. Upon Foundation agents' arrival to the scene, it is believed that 21 SCP-3092-A instances have been created through both SCP-3092 and their own duplication properties and restaurant uh, facilities were considerably defaced. After killing severe several aggressive instances with small arms fire, the remaining instances surrounded the uh, surrendered to the Foundation officials and were contained along with SCP-3092 after it was determined the source of anomalous activity. Civilians present were uh, amenized, and a cover story of an escaped pet chimpanzee was distributed. Okay, so <clears throat> looking through what I can read so far, uh, is this stuffed toy Che Guevara? It's, yes. It, it, they are... It is a claw machine that creates uh, plush gorillas that will then attempt to do uh, gorilla pranking. Do they like actually kill people, or do they? Like, no, no, they, no. They, they they just want they just they, they just, prank. It's just a prank, yeah, just, bro. Yeah, they just prank people. Okay, like they are just they, they are, are just ha- annoying. harmless gorilla attacks. Yeah. But they have ideologies of like a real gorilla rebel groups. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, addendum 3092-1. On May 18th, 20, one SCP-3092-A instance in, uh, initiated a containment breach and fled via an adjacent hallway. Agent Megan Cho, noticing this activity while standing guard outside SCP containment chamber, fired on the instance with the tranquilizer rifle she was armed with. Curiously, the subject appeared to, air quotes, pass out falling to the ground and ceasing all activities besides occasional twitches and mock snoring. Subject was recontained without incident and awoke several hours later. Due to increased effectiveness and lowered risk over net launchers or firearms, it is recommended that Foundation agents use tranquilizer weapons in the recontainment of SCP-3092-A instances in the future. Addendum 3092-2. After testing, it has been determined that any uh, weapon firing feather-tipped uh, pneumatic darts is sufficient in indu- to induce a sleep state in SCP-3092-A, regardless of whether said dart is actually loaded with tranquilizers. Like the aforementioned death state, it is believed that the sleep state is performat- uh, performative of SCP-3092-A's part. To, minimal- to minimize the potential for collateral damage to Foundation personnel, mock tranquilizer rifles should be used in place of actual tranquilizers. Addendum 3092-3. On June 9th, 20, two SCP-3092-A instances simultaneously escaped containment and fled through the building's ventilation system before setting up a tripwire in the office of Dr. Martin Helmer, intending for him to trip, fall, and land face-first on a pillow with a crude insult written on it. 
However, upon entering his office, Dr. Helmer tripped Bell hit his shoulder against a bookshelf and suffered a fractured collarbone, an injury much more severe than, in, in, than any induced by prior SCP-3092-A containment breaches. Upon discovering this, both instances immediately expressed remorse, informed other Foundation officials of the situation, and were compliant in recontainment. Investigation revealed later that several amenities within these instances' cells have been converted into gifts and apology cards intended for Dr. Helmer. Further breaches by SCP-3092-A instances have not been noted to employ trip hazards of any sort. This is probably one of the most innocuous and still disturbing SCP entries I've heard. (laughs) Because, well, they're not going to hurt you, but the idea of little gorilla stuffed toys engaging in literal gorilla wherefore. Yeah, yeah, glitter bombing me. (laughs) footnotes uh one investigation has revealed that scp 3092 was in usage for seven years prior to its anomalous properties uh, surfacing two all scp 3092a instances identified have been fluent in english and three scp 3092a instances are not otherwise noted to possess a regular sleep schedule good i guess (laughs) not sure why that needed a note uh, I'd be I, curious if they can speak Spanish. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I think it'd be funny. I, I think the racist language for them to speak would be African, but that's uh, you know, getting a little a little spicy there. Well, you know this podcast I mean, is Raja. I'm just saying that. I mean, all right. Here's the thing. Uh, if like if can they write because if they can write or at least like convert something into writing could like they interview them and be like hey do you understand what akuna matata means and then they'd be like yeah it means no worries like in the hit theatrical film the lion king i'm oh, just imagining boy. what if you gave one like a little <laughs> like a little sombrero would he start changing <laughs> behavior <laughs> can they take on different personas based on how you dress I- them I don't think so. Uh, they it says that they like they all have different ideologies, but if they convert another plush toy, because they can if they touch one, they convert it into like a copy of themselves. Like so it like turns let's say into a monkey. Yeah. So like let's say one's yes. name is Rudy, and his ideology is that he is a communist for some reason. Rudy uh, the communist. Yeah, Rudy the communist, and Rudy oh, the communist, communist. Uh, comes up and finds oh my gosh the cursed stuffle bean that will suck your dick and call you gay. If he touches that, it turns it into another Rudy who's also a communist. Nice. Matt, yeah. I opened yours and I'm concerned. <laughs> why, why is there <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought mine was weird. Why is there a picture of the Pope? Why wouldn't there be a picture of the Pope, bro? <laughs> All right, what Matt. Pope read. is that? Is that Francie? <clears throat> we'll All find right. out. Uh, it is an item SCP 586. It's object classes. Scarf. <laughs> Special containment procedures. SCP-586 is assigned a storage container in Salty-04. Key may be obtained from the main office with presentation from Dr. Blank. No further secretary is deemed necessary for the object. Description. SCP-586 is a smelt metallic object pale green in color. The anomalous profession of the object was discovered by accident. 
in any sentence written about the object, at least one typist will be created. Specifically, one or more words will be replaced by ant incorrect word. Oh. In a bit. Lab report 586A. In this test, the portion of this sentence data plunged. Lab report 586B. <laughs> A test to determine if SCP-586 has an effective rage has turned up the following results. A D personnel was seated one meter from the object and gassed to write the control <laughs> phrase, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. A second D personnel located in data expunged was presented with a phenograph or phonograph of the object and asked to describe it in a sentence. Result one, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Result two, it looks like a piece of garden hose. Oh, excuse me. Looks like a piece <laughs> of garden horse. <clears throat> Lab report 586C. 10D personnel were asked to transcribe the short phrase, it is. All were successful. Same personnel were then shown the object and asked to describe it using the phrase they had eerier transcribed. <laughs> Results. It, it, is, is, if, is, Illinois. I hiss, <laughs> titties, yeah! ibis, <laughs> iris. Italy data expanded <laughs> lab report 586d native speakers of Swahili Japanese gelatin <laughs> were asked to describe the device in their native language that's the wrong there by the way each description contained at least one word in the respective language that was not what the person hand intended to write <laughs> addendum for the last time if you turn in a report with a dozen misspellings my orifice is too close to 586 will not be accepted as an excuse there is no bleed effect as evidenced by LR586B unless you are writing about the object itself you will not be ifit the next person to blame this thing because they are too lazy to proofread will be assigned to keggle duty Oh my gosh. That's amazing. This is the most immature one we have done yet. I think it's just Dude. really dumb. I don't know. I, I, think the, I know. I think, I, th I think the one that I read called, uh, I don't know, The Imposter is Sus is a pretty immature one. That's true. I, 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 Dude, I, I, have a, I, I, I have hate a theory. that you brought that up. What's your theory? My theory yeah. is that this object actually belongs to Michael Freeney. <laughs> and that's why it's lighting and not lightning. Damn, bro. Damn, Oh, my bro. God. Just, oh, brain explosion, cinematic universe expanded. I think All right. My, my personal favorite is data expanded. We need to use that joke more often. <laughs> well, it's time to expand. You better be expanding your data because it's my turn. Okay. SCP-2. 4,000, also known as Taboo. 
Oh boy. Name has been redacted per protocol 4000 issue. Uh, warning. The following anomaly is affected by communication. Do not refer to it in speech or writing unless trained. Uh, uh -oh. Then we have figure 1.1. There's a native humanoid entity manifesting in midair. Uh, the item number is restricted per protocol 4000 issue, but I guess you can figure it out from the 4000. Nice going, SCP Foundation. The object class is Beater. Beater. The special containment procedures, the extra dimensional location described below, as well as the entities and landmarks contained therein, are nomenclative hazards, issue class, and therefore may not be referred to by any name, title, or designation. Only descriptions may be used when referring to the forest outside normative space and native entities thereof. Variations must be made in these descriptions each time a subject is described. Oh, this is like when we write things and we're like, cock has to be a, a, a different synonym. <laughs> <every time. laughs> Big hoss. Or major. Uh, yeah. Uh, described descriptions may be color-coded for clarity. And florid language may be used for the sake of nomenclative diversity. In an event of nomenclative uh, containment breach, standard issue class containment protocol must be carried out immediately by the individual, individual responsible for the breach. If the individual is rendered unable to perform the procedure, the responsibility falls to the individual's next of kin. If the individual responsible for the breach is no known next of kin, the individual's name must be expurgated. Uh, from all existing documents and records, any other individuals possessing the same name are to be administered type G viral amnestics and assigned a new one. In accordance with Order 054000F26, at least one successful expedition into the strange and dangerous woodland area must be carried out once per year to assess any deviations from baseline abnormality. Due to the high risk involved in entering the place where the nameless are found, personnel sent to conduct research must be trained in standard exploration protocol as detailed in 4000 set. Uh, unauthorized documentation of the forest found in the chimneys must be suppressed via standard information containment protocol. Unauthorized individuals with knowledge of procedure 4000 Halloway are to be administered amnestics and may be released following a period of disquisitional rehabilitation. Description. The SCP in question is an extra-dimensional forested area with numerous anomalous qualities, including a hazardous nomenclative phenomenon. This anomalous location is accessed by performing 4000 Holloway. See document Doc 4000H. After completing the procedure, subjects emerge from the opening of a dilapidated brick well fixed into the forest floor. Uh, the only way to reliably traverse the unusual terrain is by use of a single dirt path. Uh, explorations that diverge from said route have resulted in immediately loss of contact with participating subjects. The sole safe road may only be traversed in a single direction. Any attempt by subjects to turn back or return the way they came will result in similar loss of contact. The unnamed world does not adhere to the constraints of linear space. Cartographic endeavors have resulted in vastly different routes being recorded with each acquisition. Section. This is a roguelike. And section of uh, the mandatory trail should logically overlap and or intersect. Do not. Uh, the only consistency in the layout is the access point, which is always located at the en both ends of the main road. The only way for a subject to safely exit the woods, which have no name, have a a after they begun following, it is by walking its entire length and returning to the place where they began at the opposite end. A variety of anomalous entities native to the Big Chungus have been documented. Native entities often undergo changes. I'm, I'm glad nobody qu questioned that. Uh, <laughs> just, just rolled with it. Yeah, I'm uh, just rolling with a big chungus. 
yeah, in physical probably. structure when observed, which has made it difficult for researchers to determine which reported entities are unique beings and which are newer iterations of those documented. Entities claim they have no control over these changes and frequently express dissatisfaction when they occur. Native entities often obstruct the trail in which subjects tread, making it necessary for subjects to interact with them to progress. Native entities are sapient and often highly temperamental, but can be interacted with safely as so long as 4,000 SEP precautions are followed. Consequences for disregarding for these precautions will, will vary depending on the personality of the offended entity. Degrees of retribution encountered by the research subjects have included verbal rebuke, acts of violence, anomalous alteration of the subject's physical, conceptual, or gnomon class of attributes. Various anomalous phenomena may occur when consistent nomenclatures applied to the realm of the unnameable, its native entities, or its landmarks. These phenomena are still poorly understood, partially due to the prohibition of nomenclative experimentation under Order 054000F26. Documented nomenclative phenomena have included episodic cluster headaches among subjects exposed to affected nomenclature, uh, visual and auditory hallucinations, uh, psychogenic amnesia among exposed subjects, the development of non-human physical characteristics such as feathers and pollen sacs, development of biological components and non-biological mediums where nomenclatures were recorded, sudden, sudden involuntary transport of exposed subjects to the wilderness of unnamed things without the use of Holloway. A uh, manifestation of various flora in indoor spaces where it was used, sudden transport of native entities into areas where it was used, biological fusion of exposed subjects and native entities, biological fusion of native entities in architectural spaces, extreme iron deficiency, that's random. Order 054000F26 was ratified by the Overseer Council in 1954. A seven, 1970 amendment requires that the 054000F26 receive unanimous endorsement from the Council every 10 years in order to remain in effect. To, to date, no Overseer memos regarding 054000F26 uh, have been disseminated to lower clearance levels. Hmm. All right. Interesting so far. So far, I've just picked up a weird dimension, Ooga Booga. <laughs> so we got notable containment uh, uh, breaches. All right. Uh, following are examples of anomalous phenomena observed during nomenclative uh, breaches. First breach date is 9th of June, 1954. Name subject the glade of which we seldom speak. Initial discovery and subsequent breach uh, took place in an abandoned home in rural Connecticut. Circumstances of the discovery are unclear due to lack of surviving personnel, but general timeline events have been established. Timestamps are in standard native format. Uh, would someone like to read uh, through this uh, log? Because my... I, yeah, yeah. You're you know, reading I, really fast. <clears throat> I can do it. Summary. Initial discovery and subsequent breach took place in an abandoned home in rural Connecticut. Circumstances of the discovery are Oh, we unclear. already read that. Oh, we already read that part? Okay. Yeah, yeah we're at 1340 one S. Okay, sorry. The hollow of unspoken titles is discovered and given a temporary Type E designation by field agent Gary Bradley. Garrett Bradley, creating nomenclator breach. Field agent Moira Donati enters the land beyond the flu and is never recovered. Agent Bradley begins to gradually sink into the hardwood floor. Nearby agents flee the area. Soon after exiting the house, all agents are suddenly rendered immobile, with the exception of Timothy Woods, who was not aware of the Type E designation. Immobilized agents vocalize distress as their torsos elongate. Elongation ceases, <laughs> ceases after <laughs> agents have reached a height approximating that of the chimney where Procedure 4000 Holloway was performed. 
Smoke expels from their facial orifices. Timothy Woods reports these developments via radio to Site-08. Secondary breach is caused when Timothy Woods repeatedly uses the phrase, the blank, to describe the world where words have power. Timothy Woods states that he sees his name in the trees. Site-08 personnel press Timothy Woods for further information. Timothy Woods attempts to orally consume his radio and soon expires from internal injuries. What? Timothy Woods, <laughs> Woods correspondence in Site-08. What? Kai eats radio all the time and just <laughs> scrub. I'd uh, I'd make a sound of me eating my mic, but I feel like that would get us banned somehow. Yes, we've already been canceled enough. Come for your mic, sir. Thank you. Timothy Woods correspondents in Site Zero Eight are observed suffering from severe headaches and are placed under quarantine. Osteal protrusions resembling tree branches emerge from the orbital cavities of quarantined Site-08 personnel. Personnel report no physical discomfort despite exhibiting full globe luxation in both sockets. Afterward, nomenclative anomaly eventually discovered after numerous cycles of multivariable D-class exposure to affected Site-08 personnel. This went from like 0 to 100 and like... Seconds. Yeah, it went from zero to elongated torsos very quickly. Yeah, it was like, oh, it's like a, it's a wacky alternate universe. We can't speak. Oh my goodness, (laughs) Squidward! Squidward! (laughs) Breach date: December twenty second, nineteen fifty five. Named subject: the footpath, which loops around the entire area. Summary. Desk Desk completed the first successful exploratory mission in the grove beneath nameless stars and was immediately quarantined after exhibiting no anomalous effects for 72 hours. Desk Desk was then allowed to write an account of his experiences. When researchers returned to check on his progress, Desk Desk had vanished. Traces of soil and human tissue were later found in the pencil, paper, and Harvey Mansfield desk desk had used in his writing. Squidward, you can't go to the nameless dimension. <laughs> what, am I gonna blow up? No, we'll go to your, th- your thighs first. Oh. Go straight to your thighs. Then, then you'll, you'll blow, blow up. up. <laughs> Breach date, August 19th, 1958. Named subject. The native entity that sits atop a throne of bones and cradles a flaming child. Summary. After completing an exploratory mission, field agent Ethan Mercy 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 used the same epithet several times when describing a particular native entity. Several minutes later, he complained of severe nausea and began to vomit blood and bone marrow. Also me. Damn. Is your name also... Over the course of several hours, Agent Mercy, 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 Mercy? Yes. Damn. Was reported to have somehow orally expelled most of his bones. Personnel throughout Site-08 experience auditory hallucinations of a woman's laughter for the next several days. Breach date March 4th, 1966. The native entity that resembles a feathered lion with a skeletal ram's head. Summary. College student Vanessa Hayforth attempted to check into numerous medical facilities in and around Portland, Oregon, 
complaining that her head had become covered in flesh despite exhibiting no signs of unusual tissue growth. She was eventually detained by Foundation investigators and found to be in possession of a book that described, among other things, footnote, the full contents of the book are restricted to level 5 personnel under Order 5, 054000F26. However, official statements have noted that certain rituals and locations described in the book bear strong similarities to SCP-1660 and SCP-860. Recent declassifications have revealed that another passage may have been written in reference to SCP-3560, which was discovered more than 50 years after the book's recovery. The significance of SCP-3560 potentially predating the existence of Anderson Robotics has yet to be determined. Anyhow, amongst the book's writings was a procedure 4,000 Holloway in its entirety. After stipulating that Foundation personnel assist in removing the flesh from her head if she cooperated. Note, no such procedure was ever carried out. Hayforth confessed that she had received the book from an acquaintance in the Wanderer's Library. Afterward, this was the first known case of a civilian-triggered nomenclative breach. Similar incidents have occurred intermittently ever since. In 2012, a native entity was photographed that superficially resembled a young Hayforth, more than two decades after Hayforth died in Foundation custody. Final Breach, dated October 30th, 1992. The subject is the house in which Michael Ashley Vincent spent several nights during his exploratory mission. Summary. Agent Michael Ashley Vincent, who had completed an exploratory mission several years prior, used the possessive phrase, blank house, several times while recounting stories to two of his colleagues, who did not have names. Footnote, this statement has been flagged for potential mimetic corruption. I don't care what the record says. After 30 years in the Department of Mimetics, you learn when to follow your fucking gut. And right now my gut's telling me there's something off about this. Sometime later, a large brick building manifested inside Site-08, intersecting with existing architecture. Michael Ashley Vincent's headless body was found inside, seizing violently and fused at the neck to a light fixture made of elk antlers. His face, which did not appear animate, had enlarged to take up the entire surface area of the building's floor. Field agents sent into the face's mouth found that it did not possess a full digestive tract. However, Michael Ashley Vincent's nameless colleagues were reported to have been conjoined with its uvula. What the fuck? What the fuck? So, um, maybe it's just me, but that feels like that would be like a Gmod video. Just stretch the texture of a Half-Life NPC over the face, (laughs) over the floor. You want me to keep going, Serge, or you want to take back over? Uh, I, I can take over reading the proce- the, the Holloway procedure. Uh, so the, basically, this is how you get into the, uh, um, into the place. Uh, so first, you need some organic kindling to start a steady flame within any indoor fireplace. Then you need to get the powder bones of a male red fox, an adult male lion, a baleen whale, and cast the mixture into the fire. Then... Uh, take your take an easily burnt personal possession of strong sentimental value and allow the fire to consume it. So just keep the cum jar in there. Uh, carefully <laughs> release three feathers from any black plume bird of the genus Corvus over the fire and allow the smoke carry up them up the flue. 
uh, the fire begins talking. Uh, respond with the appropriate counterphrase. So there's a list of them below. The correct statements are given. The fireplace will expand and the ladder will descend. The fire will be harmless. The incorrect statements are made. Immediately apologize and do not attempt Holloway again at any point in the future. Uh, individuals who are present at Procedure Holloway but were not the one conducting must now respond to the vocalizations or approach the active fireplace under any circumstances. Uh, some of the phrases include these woods have rules, or so they say, and if you break them, a price I'll pay. Is someone there? There's only me. And who are you? I guess you'll see. What do you seek? To walk the trees. Now mind your manners. To walk them, please. And then there is a uh, list of, uh, uh, what's it called? Rules to follow. I won't read them all. But it's basically like, uh, um, be nice. Uh, don't bring weapons. Uh, yeah, there's just like a very like a list of just very specific things. So we'll move on to the interviews. As uh, so, this these are a, a series of three interviews done with a couple of these entities. Uh, who would like to be Doctor Japers, and who would like to be uh, the Leaf Giver? I'll be Doctor Japers. That sounds fun. Jake, you haven't said anything in a while. Would you like to be the entity? Sure. All right. Uh, forward. On, uh, the interview. Hmm? I said, "Hold on, give me a sec." I... I had to go yell at my dogs, and now I've lost my place. Good out to the encounters. In Hello, interview Doctor Japers. Hold on, I'm I'm still reading the description. Interview conducted in 2013 during Doctor Japers' night exp expedition to the Yonder Vale of Restless Wanderers. Due to the unique knowledge of that the one who bore the gift of cabbage seemed to possess about our world. Dr. Japers was constructed to conduct a more thorough interview should it be encountered by a third time. And additionally, Dr. Japers was granted special permission to make false statements for the sake of facilitating conversation. His first encounter showed the fluffy one to be susceptible to deceptions. Traveling along the way of weary adventurers, Dr. Japers encounters a small white cottage with a thatched roof. A small opening in the shape of a rat's head comes to the front door. Dr. Japers approaches and knocks. Let's see. And this is uh, Encounter Hold 1. Hold on. I'm, yes. I'm very lost. Encounter scroll, 1? Scroll way down to the bottom. At the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. Interview log 4000-0215. Okay. Okay, Encounter 1. Uh, Dr. Japers, the first line there. You're the red text. Good morning, strange traveler. Good morning. It is nice to see a new face around these parts. Kindly excuse the smoke, just airing my thought. How is your name? How is, uh, I'm sorry, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. Are you sick? Dr. Japers bows. Mm. I'm merely asking how your name is. My name is smelt of raspberries today, I think. Or snapdragons, perhaps. It's so hard to tell these days, but one makes an effort. Ah, my apologies. I'm afraid my name has tasted rather tart as of late. Uh, note, Dr. The Japers was later... The laughs and doffs it ha its hat. Go ahead, Jacob. No, I'm the one who should apologize. I shouldn't have pried. It's quite alright. I don't mind at all. It's been lovely to meet you, but I must be on my way. 
Must you, though? My home is close by, and I was hoping to invite you for tea. Dr. Japers bows again. I'm terribly sorry, but unfortunately, I cannot stop at this moment. Perhaps another day. Very well. Until next time, stranger, whose name tastes rather tart. Interesting. All right, Where'd you say your two? name is right now? Bodacious. <laughs> I expect nothing less from you. It's very crackalackin. Oh, I can Ooh. see that. My name uh, is Solid. All right, encounter two. All right. Dr. Japers crests a hill and discovers his hair like acquaintance tending to a patch of cabbages. Good afternoon, stranger. Except, uh, pardon me, we've met before, haven't we? Good afternoon. I believe so, yes. Three years ago, if memory serves. I remember now. You ran off in quite a hurry. Yes, my apologies for that. At that time, I was new here and wary of those I encountered. My brain just shut off. Still the apologetic one, I see. No matter. You are not from here. Very interesting. What woods are you from? I do not come from any woods. Nonsense. Certainly you have trees where you're from, do you not? We do have trees, but they're very sparse. Most of the land is covered in homes and businesses. Then they are inferior woods, but woods nonetheless. Tell me, how did you get here? I see you have an inquiring mind. I would like to ask you a question, if that's all right. Pardon my lack of manners. I consider myself something of a scholar, you see, and I get a bit excited when I have a chance to learn of forests outside my own. By all means, pose your question. When we last met... You said it had become difficult to describe your name. Do you have any theories for why that may be? I can only assume it's because of how long we've been apart. My name and I, that is. It was a good name, a proud name, I'm fairly sure. By this point, though, it's probably decayed from its former grandeur, if it even still exists. Where do you think it is currently? First. Hello, scholar. You must answer my previous question. Hmm. Dr. Japers nods. I came through the old but distinguished well at the end of the footpath I'm presently perambulating. The other individual hesitates before speaking. Oh, my. It's been quite some time. I'll be frank. I thought all, all of the old allies had died out. Did your grandfather or some such relation have a lover out here? Dr. Japers bows. My deepest apologies. I'm afraid I cannot answer that question. Very well, I understand. I invited you to my cottage for tea. But I suppose that's not possible for you, is it? I'm afraid not. The conversational partner laughs, plucks a cabbage leaf, and offers it to Dr. Japers. You needn't fear so much. Take this and be on your way. 
Dr. Japers accepts the leaf with both hands. Thank you very much. Happy travels to you, and may you find the one you're looking for. Afterwards, Dr. Japers later used the cabbage leaf to feed a native entity resembling a field mouse, which in turn aided him on his travels. This is like a, uh, like an old fantasy storybook thing, except it's absolutely terrifying, and you will die a horrible death if you fuck up. It's like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Like oh, God. <laughs> this, is ba- this is basically the Winnie the Pooh books if they were an SCP. Well, we have Encounter 3. I had actually read the foreword for Encounter 3, not realizing it was Encounter 1. But uh, So Dr. Japers is back at the rabbit's home. Dr. Japers. <clears throat> Hello? Is anyone home? Yes, one minute. Exactly one minute passes. The door opens. Ah, we meet again. Please, come in, come in. Dr. Japers is led inside. The interior is sparsely decorated with wooden furniture and needlework. You have a lovely home. Ha, you have a lovely sense of humor. The homeowner hurries to a kitchenette in the corner and begins preparing a kettle. Ah, no, really, I think it's charming. I suppose. It was just meant to be until things cooled down on the other side, but, well, you know. Uh, I'm afraid I don't know. Would you like some help? No, 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 no. You just have yourself a seat at the table over there while I get the tea ready for us. Dr. Japers draws a chair and seats himself. Uh, You're most generous, but I don't think my digestion will permit it. Oh, poor fellow. Well, I find the presence of tea to be a comfort in any case. You're most kind. Tell me, could you explain what you meant by cooled down? His furred host turns the stove on and stares out a window cut into a similar shape as the hole on the door. Your relations didn't tell you the full story, I suppose. About the turmoil that drove us here. Uh, turmoil? Was there a war? The tufted one sighs. Isn't there always? My grandparents did tell me there were wars, but I never knew of one with you and your kind. It doesn't surprise me. There are very few even in these woods that still remember. Memory is the burden of the old, I suppose. But yes, when I was a young lad in a form very different from the one I possess now, I lived on the other end of the well. It's where I was born, where I grew up. And if I dare to dream, where I will someday return. Well, why don't you return then? The kettle whistles. I can't. Not unless I know I could be welcome back. The maker of the tea pours a cup and seats itself across the table. Uh, I'm sure you don't know this, since they keep themselves hidden, but there are ones who would destroy me at the nearest chance. Ah, my apologies. These are dark memories. I'm sure you don't want to hear about them. 
The teller of the story sips its tea. Uh, no, please, go on. These things are of interest to me. I am a fellow scholar, remember? As you wish, fellow scholar. I shall talk until the tea is cold. It clears its throat. As much as it grieves me to say it, we were betrayed. We had, we had fought side by side, you know, in the war against that factory, which redirects you to SCP-00105. We had done nothing but help them. What did they do? Hmm. They destroyed us. They took so many of our lives and all of our names. Some of us fled here when the war was just beginning, but not many. Not many. Still, though, I don't hate them. Also, my internet is having a stroke right now, so if I start cutting out... You're fine why. so far. Okay. Maybe the redirect just isn't working, then, to SCP-105. Yeah, it's just not working. Okay. I'd imagine so! There were some old fogies around these parts who bear a grudge against the whole species, but I know you're not all bad. There were so many who sheltered us, fought for us, even died for us. Some came to live here amongst us, rest their souls. I myself courted a human once upon a time. He came to visit a time or two, but I never saw him after that. I still wonder now and again if he fell at the hand of an unkind neighbor, if he sternly stopped caring to see me. But it's no matter now. I apologize for prattling on about old flames. Gay rabbit bottom text. <laughs> Certainly such things are of no interest to you, fellow scholar. On the contrary, I go on for affinity as often as I can. <clears throat> I'd quite like to hear more of these stories. The life of you and your people is of great interest to me. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure it is, fellow scholar. A strong breeze moves to the house. Neither party speaks for half a minute. The rabbit person who lives there grunts and places a hand to its head, as if in pain. Dr. Japers places his hand against the teapot. It appears that tea has gotten cold. I think it's time I took my leave. Speech slightly slurred. What? You're leaving? I... I should leave too, then. Dr. Japers rises from the table. No, 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 no. I'll be going alone. Thank you. It's abrupt, yes, and I'm grievously sorry to do this, but I really... Must be going. I believe I'm long overdue to return home. What is... I don't... Please don't go. Something isn't... It can't be helped. Stop! What have you done? I don't know. Who? What happened to my name? I can't. Dr. Japers quickly exits the house. His former companion whimpers and looks at its hands as he leaves. Hmm. It does taste rather tart. He stole his name. Fuck. Oh. Afterward, Dr. Japers oh, successfully... Oh, that, took me, that took me a second to realize what was going on. Yeah. Dr. Japers... Successfully returned to Site 08, but was reported missing soon after. Investigations into his disappearance and current whereabouts have been inconclusive. It was initially theorized that Dr. Japers was exposed to anomalous influence on his physiology during his most recent mission. However, thorough analysis showed no genetic abnormalities in the fur he'd shed on his expedition gear. Hmm. Wow. He turned, he, he turned into the rabbit, and the 
the, the rabbit turned into him. Yeah, and then he left and stole his name and all that. Yeah, don't this fuck with anything. I don't think. I don't think he. I don't think he turned into the rabbit. They, they switched. Like, they switched. I, I think the ra- the rabbit literally took his name, and then left. Like literally stole his name and hit, like his sense of self. So Doctor Doctor Jap Doctor Japers returned, but Doctor Japers was the rabbit because the rabbit uh, took Doctor Yeah, that name. makes sense. But so it specifically now, says that the, the former the former Doctor Japers is now stuck where the rabbit lived, who is now Doctor Japers. That's why there is fur. That's why he was shedding fur on the expedition gear. It's yeah, not but that it he turned that, uh, into the rabbit. It's that the rabbit, the rabbit is now Dr. Japers. But it says the rabbit person who lives there grunts and places a hand to its head as if in pain. Then Dr. Japers places his hand against the teapot. So. I don't know. It's odd. I mean, it, it, it kind of sounds to me like it was a, like a personality swap. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think it was. But why would he shed fur onto the expedition gear then? It's a weird if mystical a rabbit human. guy. I don't know. He's shedding because well, it's springtime. I, I feel like the SCP would have, you know. I, I, I see here on SCP Explained, uh, to two prior ventures into SCP-4008, Dr. Japers meets a rabbit man who speaks of a long-ago war between people and humanity. They express a desire to one day return to the real world where they were born. Dr. Japers mistakenly responds to the name fellow scholar twice in a row. Dr. Japers returns from SCP-4000 but goes missing, while the rabbit is abandoned in SCP-4000. Analysis of Dr. Japers' bunny fur shows no sign of contaminants. Additional context, the creatures inhabiting SCP-4000 are the Fey who were wiped out entirely by 0501 during the events of the 1911 factory siege. Whatever weapon unmade them, they are now banished to the Glen without names or identities, constantly shifting and uncertain. The rabbit, by giving Dr. Japers a name, took the opportunity to steal his. Names are powerful things, both in the land of the Fey and the other side of the well. They tie you to who you are. If your name becomes someone else's, who's to say what else of yours is theirs too? Yeah, see? I was right. Fuck you. Never doubt me again. My brain is huge. Big brain. Your brain's so big. Brain's so big. So big brain. Brain big. Yeah, I definitely didn't know where this was going, but I liked uh-huh. all the places that it went. Yeah. It's confusing. It is confusing. But in a good I mean, way. It's supposed to be confusing. It's not like Chain of Memories where it's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> It's like, oh, what's going on? Like in a, in a, like a, oh, hell yeah, kind of way. Yeah. No, what the fuck kind of way. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. It can be two, two different contexts. Sometimes it's good not to know what the fuck is going on because you want to read more to know what the fuck is going on. And then there's just, I don't know what's going on. And reading is just going to answer more questions. Mm hmm. I was hooked at the radio eating. (laughs) Yeah, let's take a big break. I think we should save. Yeah, we'll save Chain of Memories to read at another time. Um, of course, yeah. uh, our, our 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 dear listeners will get it on Monday, but we'll uh, yes. report tomorrow. We'll we will get now. it tomorrow, which means mm-hmm. I need to read the last two chapters. Yep. <sighs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye.